Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Awesome NFL DFS Strategy Show. Week 11, final look. Show sponsored by Yahoo once again. Greg Emberg here, joined by Jeff Ulrich. Jeff, this is the, this is the week of Taysom Hill. Yeah, man. I mean, things change a lot uh, in the short span. I mean, I, I think a couple days ago, I, I made a lineup I was really happy with. Had DeAndre Swift in it. You know, I had Michael Thomas in. I was feeling good. And, uh, you know, we're, we're back to step one here. We're, we're starting from scratch. Uh, a lot of news dropped yesterday. And, um, yeah, it is going to be the week of Taysom Hill. Although... I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, how chalky is this guy going to be? It's something we're definitely going to have to talk about and, uh, and get around uh, as we get to the QBs. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll also have to talk about him on, on FanDuel, where he is tight end eligible. We don't have to spend that much time well, actually, on it. Actually, we don't have to because you should just play him. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> here's, here's the deal. Like, I'm sure there are people who are doing shows where they're just spending like 20 minutes talking about Taysom Hill at tight end and how it impacts the slate. You just play him. It doesn't matter. There's, there's not that much to think about. Slate. There's probably going to be like 5% of people who don't play them. They're paying the rake this week. Like legitimately, that's what's happening. So just play them and move on to your other positions. Yeah, where I think it's a lot more interesting to talk about is him on DraftKings and how viable he is there and then and how we're going to stack him up. I mean, before we get in that, though, I do have to mention that the show is sponsored by Yahoo. And guys, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast network, and give us a thumbs up on the video. Give us a nice little like. Make us feel good about ourselves heading into the holidays, though. I don't know if Jeff celebrates American Thanksgiving. They had Canadian Thanksgiving like months ago with, with, your, uh, with your dearth of holidays. There's a Canadian holiday every three days or something like that. <laughs> it's true. I like American Thanksgiving, though, because it means I get a break because everyone takes a break there. And all my work is, is stems from the States. So it's like double Thanksgiving for me, Greg. It's great. It's a good time to be Fair alive. enough. Uh, one thing that I, I really makes this Taysom Hill play interesting to me is I was kind of like, I don't know what to do with him on DraftKings. Like I said, FanDuel tight end, easy play him. But then I looked at our projections for this week, and we have Taysom Hill as one of the highest projected quarterbacks on the slate right now. I don't know what the Saints offense is going to look like with Taysom Hill. I'm going to have some exposure to him. I don't know if I want to stack him with anybody. I feel like I have to play him naked. I don't know if he can throw the ball at all. But yeah maybe he runs the ball uh maybe he runs the ball 25 times as the quarterback and they just run a bunch of wildcat it's going to be weird i don't know what it's going to look like i did bet a bunch of unders on saints wide receivers so how are you handling Taysom hill on DraftKings? how much exposure do you want to get to him yeah i mean uh, and i mentioned michael thomas off the top because that's going to be the toughest decision for me I- i'm going to have Taysom hill exposure i think this is a gift at 4800 um i i remember like I- I- were you around on the johnny manzel week greg like when everyone played Johnny Manziel, oh. like 5K. Probably. I don't I don't remember okay. I don't remember okay. the days of Johnny. I mean, it was Manziel, it was though. similar to this. It's like, oh my God, Johnny Manziel is like his floor is like 50 yards rushing, and like he's gonna get at least 10 points. And he got like minus five points or something, but like <laughs> legitimately, I think he ended up in minus. Anyways, it was a huge bust week. I I, I always feel good about that because I was I, I like Johnny Manziel to me was just an easy fade. But Taysom Hill is legitimately a running back playing quarterback like okay he's not Lamar Jackson but like he he is a different style of runner and you know that's why the Saints use him in those in those formations as a fullback and stuff like that so uh I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that like you're going to get a lot of rushing yards out of Taysom Hill this week and I know I know Twitter likes to you know oh he's, he's not that good and I, he can he's got an arm like he can he can chuck the ball down the field a little bit uh I'm not expecting a 300 yard game or something or like four touchdowns but like if he, if he ended up with like a, a slightly lesser, like Lamar Jackson kind of game that we're used to like 200 yards, a touchdown and a rushing touchdown and maybe 80 yards rushing. 
that's pretty much what I'm expecting here. And all, because again, it's Atlanta, right? So I'm pretty high on the spot. Um, I, I generally, like I said, I, I like to, to fade guys when they're getting a little bit too chalky, but at 4,800, um, just how I feel about Taysom Hill, this is, uh, I, I really hope he doesn't get, his ownership gets out of control. I'm still going to play him, but I, I really hope people take the, take the stance of, well, we're just not, or I just don't like this guy and his, and his ownership stays low. Cause I think this is too good to pass up. So I'll say this about him. At least for right now, we don't have him projected for, for very much ownership, but we have him with a very high individual projection uh, to what you said about him not being about him having a good arm. Yeah, I guess he does, but he's thrown what 18 total career pass attempts. Oh, totally. in the NFL, and I'm not so. trying to say like, we can make a judgment on him based on that. I'm just saying he, He's not, he's probably not as bad a passer as people like to make out. He is. That's, that was my point. You're right. So he, he, here's, here's, here's the actual, like the, the real biggest concern I would say is no, this goes even beyond his ability to play the quarterback position. If they get down by two touchdowns, do they just bring James Winston in? If they fall behind in this game and they go like, Hey, Taysom can't really throw the ball. We need to throw the ball to catch up. What are the chances that James Winston actually comes in? And by no means would I actually be rostering James Winston this weekend no. as, as a quarterback who isn't starting, but more so is this is something that's a concern for me that's going to make it so Taysom Hill isn't a guy who I have like 15 or 20% exposure to. So how realistic do you think it is that Winston comes in at some point? I don't think it's that realistic, to be honest. Um, I think with how the Saints run their offense, I think Hill is going to be out there. Uh, they're, they're still going to run the ball a little bit if they're down. Um you know, again, and look, a lot of the Saints offense anyways is predicated on short passes, right? So I think, look, if, if Taysom Hill goes out there and he can't complete like a, a, a two-yard pass or something and he just looks terrible and I'm completely dead dead wrong about him, like to the point where I, I like he can't even complete a forward pass, yeah, maybe you'll see Winston. And look, I, I think there is a chance that scenario breaks out. Like you've got to figure that factor that in that there's probably a little bit more bust potential here, but I think realistically the Saints are are all in on this. Um, I think Sean Payton has been all in on this spot for a couple of years now, and he's just been waiting for it to happen because he he knows it was either you know Breeze is going to retire or Breeze is going to get injured at some point. Um, I also think that you know people are a little too high on Jameis Winston. Like I, I think Sean Payton knows who Jameis Winston is. I don't think Jameis Winston gives your team a good shot to win games. I know he's a great fantasy quarterback. We talked about this last week, but. I think, I think Sean Payton realizes Taysom Hill gives your team a better chance to win. And I think that goes for all situations. I think down, he can, he can be, uh, you know, he can break some runs off too. So I don't think that's very likely to happen, but it is a, it is a scenario. Like, like we said, I mean, it's a really small, small sample size of passing we have from Taysom Hill. He could be even worse than, uh, than like I have projected for us. Yeah. I I just think it's really, I, I think the upside is apparent. I also think it's really hard to have a concrete opinion on him. I know for sure I don't like it when Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara come off the field for Taysom Hill when the Saints no. are in the red zone. But I, I think it's really crazy to see somebody who has 18 career pass attempts and be able to say definitively that he's a great or terrible or somewhere in the middle quarterback. There's just not enough information to know. He didn't throw the ball particularly well when he was in college. That is something to take note of. Uh, I do think it's a little weird last week that if Taysom Hill is the guy who Sean Payton def- definitely thinks is the best quarterback on the team, why do you bring in James Winston after Drew Brees got hurt? That's a little weird to me also. Uh, so I'm going to get some exposure to Taysom Hill in GPPs. I'm probably going to align myself with the field with him just because I don't, I don't know what to expect. So I'm just going to say whatever the field's going to do, that's probably about what I'm going to do with Taysom Hill also. Okay. All right. The actual chalk at the position, as of now anyway, who knows? Maybe we'll be Taysom Hill chalk by the time yeah. we get to lock tomorrow. Uh, but right now, the chalk at the position is Justin Herbert going up against the Jets. And pretty much any quarterbacks in a spot to really succeed against the Jets, the only question mark you have here is, are they going to actually have to throw the ball in the fourth quarter or even in the third quarter if they get up by a ton? Um, yeah, it's definitely a concern here. Uh, you know, obviously, with especially with Herbert being the, the most chalky play. So, I mean, I, I people watch the show like every week probably know I'm a pretty big Justin Herbert fan right now. But, um, yeah, we did have this concern with with KC and and like, you know, Mahomes ended up dropping five touchdowns on them. So we can, you can always make this concern when you have a heavy favorite, but I think there's a couple of things that, that would, you know, make me think Herbert's probably going to be okay this week. One, the chargers suck at defending leads. Like they're terrible. They're, they're going to let the jets in this game. I think I, in my opinion, it probably there's a good scenario that, you know, the chargers defense just folds a couple times and, and keeps the, the jets close enough that Herbert probably is throwing enough. Um, it, yeah. And, and then the other factor is, you know, 
we, we might just need three quarters of Justin Herbert. I mean, he's good enough to, to just launch like three long touchdowns and get 300 yards and like three touchdowns on like 26 attempts. So you are talking about that kind of efficient of, of a player. Um, I do think that there's a, a good argument though, for if you're going to fade it, you know, go with Kalen Baelish this week uh, as a good, you know, uh, leverage play off the, 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 uh, the chargers passing. That's something I'll definitely be doing in, in lineups um, because Baelish is getting, over 70% of the carries. We'll talk to him in a bit about him more, obviously, but um, this just pertains to if you're not using Justin Herbert, if you're fading him, I think Baelidge is, is a great way to get exposure to that game and and get leverage on the passing uh, attack. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, especially if you lay out the game script that I just said, where it's what happens if the Chargers get up by, you know, 20 points or something like that. They're playing the Jets. Not ridiculous. As, as bad as the Chargers have been, as bad as you said, if they've been holding leads, the Jets could get blown out by anybody. So, it was something I hadn't considered, but I, I do agree with you a little bit is if we're going to see Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen get to be super chalky, I think it does make sense that the, the leverage play there would be Bellage just because the game script would be favorable for him in the yeah. spot where we would most likely see them fail. So I, I do like that point of view. I think that is pretty sharp. Um, one thing I'm pretty surprised by here, looking at the ownership, Cam Newton coming in pretty chalky. I get, well, I mean, relatively, pretty much all the quarterbacks are projected for like 6 to 12% ownership this week. But Cam Newton, as a popular quarterback going up against the against the Houston Texans, I get that they have a, a bad defense. And I certainly like Jacoby Myers a lot as a wide receiver option. So there is somebody you could stack Newton with. But are you surprised to see how much ownership Newton is getting, given how much he struggled over the last few weeks? Yeah, that was uh, actually probably the most surprising thing when I looked at, uh, at QB ownership this week. Um, does look like Lamar's getting back up there, but Lamar's matchup is a lot better too. And quite frankly, Lamar's better player, right? Even though the Ravens have sucked. So you can kind of understand that. Um, I was surprised and I'm surprised that like, like Myers is getting up there too. I know he's 4,900, but like people are in on this. Um, it's, you know, it, it definitely feels like a rug pull spot. Like this is a team that wants to run the ball a ton. And they're going up against Houston, who is the worst run defense in the league. Um, Cam might just not have to do anything in this game. Myers might not have to do anything in this game. It's a pretty scary spot to be eating chalk here with Cam Newton and Jacoby Myers this week, in my opinion. Um, Because I think that there is a very, very good chance of this game playing out exactly how I said. Um, Damian Harris, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead taking like 40 touches, and that's it. And, and Cam throws the ball like 14 times. I could absolutely see this game playing out like that. So with that in mind, then, what do you think is going to happen with the Texans offense? Because right now behind Justin Herbert, the second highest projected on quarterback is Deshaun Watson. So if it's a game where you think there's a chance where the where the Patriots just run the ball a ton, and, and by the way, not, not to belabor the point too much because I already asked you the question, but look at some of these quarterbacks. This is a weird slate for stacks because we've yeah. got a ton of Russian quarterbacks. So we don't know how often they're going to be throwing the ball. Cam Newton is one of the guys that goes in that mix and Taysom Hill we talked about. But anyway, with, with all that aside, Deshaun Watson is projecting to be pretty highly owned this week. If you think this is going to be a, a spot where the Patriots look to run the ball a ton, what do you make of Deshaun Watson then? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's got to scare you a little bit on Watson too. Um, you know, obviously there's scenarios where he'll just be throwing late in the game and, and he'll be okay. But if it's a slower paced game and the Patriots are able to hit up a ton of clock, man, like there just might not be that much field for Deshaun Watson in this game. Um, I'm not, I'm, again, I mean, as you guys can probably tell, I'm not super bullish on this one. It could look, and it could break out uh, an, a, other different. I mean, it could break out different ways too, where maybe the Patriots just score a little bit faster. Maybe Damien Harris breaks an 80 yard run. And then, and then it's just crazy time for Deshaun Watson. Like that, that's on the table too. I think I have more confidence in Deshaun Watson in the spot than I do for Cam Newton because I think there's that that insane garbage time aspect, sort of insane comeback mode aspect that you'll get with Deshaun Watson uh, as opposed to Cam. So if you're asking me which one of these QBs like for for stacking and for GPPs or whatever, it's definitely going to be the Deshaun Watson side. Um, but again, I, I think there's a little bit more risk here than the field seems to be uh, acknowledging. It's just in my opinion. Again, I don't hate either of these plays, but definitely like Watson more and definitely – um, I think uh, a little bit more concerned about it than maybe the field this week. <laughs> so one thing that's also interesting about this spot, the, the total is 49. If you go to odd shopper on Osmo, you could compare, you know, all the, all the best odds that are everywhere. And you look at the totals, shocking low, shockingly low totals uh, across the league this weekend, this game, 49 points total. There's only one game on the entire slate with a total over 50 points. And that is green Bay at Indianapolis uh, four o'clock game this week. 
it is a tough matchup for Green Bay, but considering the total of that spot, how much do you think that Aaron Rodgers is a viable, uh, just low-owned quarterback? He's projecting to be one of the least-owned quarterbacks on the slate. Still pretty, ex- uh, still pretty expensive at seven thousand. It is a tough matchup on paper against the Colts, but like I said, just looking at those totals, this Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Game is a total over 50. Every other game, we're looking at, you know, totals in the mid-40s. So, with that yeah. in mind, Aaron Rodgers, decent contrarian play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is one of those QBs. You just um, when you when you get him in low in spots like this against perceived tough defenses, you don't you don't really worry. But I, I know one of the best weeks I ever had in DFS was rostering uh, Rodgers against it just a perceived really tough de- defense, kind of like Indy is right now, right? So and he came in at like two percent owned. I think he threw like just six touchdowns. This was like five or six years ago, but you get my point. Um, it's the same kind of spot. Um, it's it's Aaron Rodgers who again I mean he's got Devonte Adams now. Um, you know, actually, is Alan Lazard back? I, that is one thing I didn't check, but uh, we'll get to that when we get to wide receivers. Um, but y- you get my point. I mean, he's still got a, an elite wide receiver to throw to. You know, Marcus Scalvas Vandling or Valdez Scantling is coming on. <laughs> um, it's fine. It, it's absolutely fine. I, I think I'd rather take a shot and, and be overweight on Rodgers than be overweight on one of Deshaun and Cam Newton. Is is basically the 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 long and the short of it. Um, I like Rodgers in this spots a lot. It's always somewhere where, you know, I, I want to target him. No, I think that's totally reasonable. Of, of the low-owned quarterbacks this week, he is the one that I like the most that I think has the most upside. I, I certainly prefer him to Phillip Rivers in the same game, who's also coming in at sub-3% ownership. The other guy's just hard for me to get excited about. You know, the Andy Dalton's, the Carson yeah. Wentz's of the world. It, it's hard for me to really get behind those I think guys. you're right. Like, there's there's basically two games. I mean, Atlanta and and Indy with, like, 50-point totals. I don't even know if Atlanta is over there anymore because of the Taysom Hill news. So there's not many games to get excited about, and there's not many QBs, quite frankly. Like, Alex Smith is a guy that's getting a little bit of heat this week, but I'm not still that excited about rostering Alex Smith. I mean, we talked about him last week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he still looks a little dainty out there and it's, it's just like scary. So um, no, it's, I, I really like Rogers in the spot with other people tr- sort of trying to maybe um, make, make other guys something they aren't, um, you know, the other, only other high kind of price QB and he is getting a little bit of love now is Ben. I uh, was coming off a great game and we could see a similar type of game, maybe four or five touchdowns against another weak defense. So um, that's another spot, but you really have to go all in there and, uh, and go with like a, a double, a double stack with Ben and just, uh, Pray that works out. So talking about some of those ownership projections, actually the free content of the day at awesomeo.com. So if you want to see some of the ownership projections, which I think is the most useful tool for NFL DFS, really for for most DFS, if you're playing GPPs, that's free on awesomeo.com. So that's that's a really good way to just look at some of those ownerships. This week, it's a really good week maybe to try it out. Because again, this Taysom Hill news could change ownership like going into Sunday. So you might look at it today, but... If you have access to it, like you'll get the updates that, that Alex does and puts out and stuff like that going into the Sunday lock. Because Taysomville right now, like Greg and I said, under 10%, but by lock, it could be up to 15 or something. Uh, I don't, I, again, I don't know how this is actually going to play out. I'm, we're, we're kind of in the dark, just like you guys. I'm not actually sure how people are, are going to react to this uh, by tomorrow morning. So, Yeah, I tend to think, I mean, we have them at about 7.5% right now, and that's on DraftKings. FanDuel, it's going to be 150%, yeah. but yeah. Uh, on on DraftKings, we have them at 7.5%. I assume it's going to creep around 10-ish. I think there's a lot of people like me who are just unsure yeah. what to make of Taysom Hill. There's some people that have convictions, but there's people who have convictions about everything. I think the majority of people are going to look at Taysom Hill and, and not really know what to do and just be like, I'll put him in some lineups, but not all my lineups. And that, that's why I think he probably settles somewhere around 10% ownership. Uh, talking about ownership, though, the chalkiest player on the entire slate as we move over to the running back position, Dalvin Cook, who's just been absolutely crushing lately. Very favorable matchup against the Cowboys, who, number one, not only can they not stop the run at all, uh, basically every running back sets up is a terrific game script against the Cowboys because every team's up by a million points on them in the second half and team just run the ball. So Dalvin Cook coming in at over 30% ownership on a slate that doesn't really have that much chalk. Cook yeah. is the very much standout uh, chalk play. I think you have to play him in cash. 
GPPs, it gets a little interesting. How much are you willing to roster him in tournament lineups? So, like I said, I was really high on, on DeAndre Swift um, before before the, the news broke that he wasn't going to play. Um, and I think that um, if, if Swift was around, uh, Dalvin Cook uh, could have made for a bit, bit more interesting pivot because I really felt like Swift was – underpriced there and uh, you could have taken advantage by going overweight him and maybe going a bit more balanced approach um now now i'm kind of back on i think you just need to i think you just need to put dalvin cook in all your lineups um i i've been you know again i think part of the the thing here is he's chalky for a couple reasons he's still underpriced Supplier player get averaging over 30 touches his last four games he's averaging over 30 touches like that is absolutely insane in today's nfl and now he's going up against the Cowboys, um, who obviously we all know, um, you know, they, they allow a ton of rushes against, too. That's one thing the Cowboys have done because they're so bad on offense. So, um, you know, teams are averaging like top 10 in terms of uh, rush attempts against on the Cowboys. Like, it's just a, it's just a good spot. Um, and, and the thing is, for Dalvin Cook, he doesn't even need it to be a good spot because right now they're just keeping him on the field all the time. So, I think he's underpriced. I think that again, with the the loss of Swift and there's just, um, you know, there, you know, you got Chubb and, and, and Hunt, but who do you play there? I kind of like the spot. Um, Henry going up against Baltimore. I mean, okay, that could work out, but like, again, you're really going to go like what 30, 50% on Derek Henry in that spot. Probably not. I think you just go overweight cook and, uh, and, and, you know, you, you just, you just go over the field. I think that's, I think that's the, the smart player. You know, I think that makes sense, especially when, to your point, you consider some of the other running backs priced around him. It's like, if you're not paying up for Dalvin Cook, who are you paying up for at running back, right? Because we've got Alvin Kamara. We we don't know. Yeah, it's it's Cook and Devontae Adams, and that's the reason why they're popular. It's hard to find other options you can really be confident in. I mean, Alvin Kamara, 9,200, it's a good matchup against the Falcons, but who knows what to expect from his production with Taysom Hill, a quarterback. And then we've got, like you said, Derrick Henry going up against the Ravens fine but he didn't get a lot of passing game work and that's a really tough matchup then we've got Aaron Jones who split snaps last week basically with Jamal Williams he ended up being a terrible chalk play he ended up yeah. doing all right uh but but still he, he was not worth his ownership at all then you got Nick Chubb who's splitting touches with with um uh with Hunt right now so you just compare Cook to the other high-end uh, running back options and he's just by far the superior option I mean if you look at the projections we have he's <laughs> He's the only yeah. running back on the slate. We have project for over 20 fantasy points. He's projected for nearly 30. So there's just nobody who's nearly in the same stratosphere as yeah. him in terms of, of projection. And for that reason, I think he's well worth uh, what the ownership is, the price tag. And I'm, I'm also probably going to be overweight to Dalvin Cook in a big way on tomorrow's slate. Uh, moving down into the mid-range, we've got Mike Davis, the chalk of last week's slate, who I'm sure everybody's really frustrated with. Uh, understandably so. But it's not like it's not like he totally sucked. I mean, he kind of did, except, I mean, like I had, I had Mike Davis in hundred percent of my lineups on DraftKings. I had him in more than half my lineups on FanDuel and I doubled up my money last week. I did fairly well. He was a good enough value to be decent. And yeah. the other thing to consider too, is he didn't play much in the second half because he had a thumb injury. And that's really what my biggest concern is with him this week. It's not really what happened last week. It's what's the health of his thumb. Because if you look at the production that we typically get from Mike Davis, so much of it is predicated on his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And last week, yeah, he got five targets, caught four of them, which is fine. But I, I do worry a little bit is how much is the, the thumb injury going to hinder his pass catching ability? Uh, but still, Mike Davis, not nearly as chalk as he was last week. Favorable matchup against the Lions. How willing are you to go back to the well with Mike Davis after people are probably outraged and tired of hearing his name after last week? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, it's not necessarily the price or even just like the player or anything. The matchup was great. I think the thing that concerns me more is, is again, the injury issue like you brought up and then the quarterback play as well. Um, you know, if, if PJ Walker or Will Greer, I don't know, I actually don't know who's going to start yet if they've named a starter. I but, think um, a Bridgewater isn't, I think Bridgewater is still questionable. He's still questionable. Yeah. So again, exactly. I haven't, they haven't named a starter. I didn't think I'd miss anything, but um, you know, whoever is in there, I mean, and Bridgewater being questionable is, and, or just being not a hundred percent is almost as scary because then it'd be an in-game switch, which kind of is even worse. So um, it's, I just worry that they're going to have trouble moving the ball this week. I guess that's my biggest concern with the Panthers too. So, you know, Mike Davis isn't like a, a game changer, like Christian McCaffrey. You can necessarily just like hold up a, a crappy QB. So I think there's, there's legitimate concerns here. Um, 
I think the other thing is like he's 6,800. So I see some people mentioning like, you know, Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry is low in plays. And I think at this price, I, I, I would rather do that, like, or even take a shot on Nick Chubb. I just feel like at this price, um, it, it's okay to get up there. I, I think Derrick Henry is going to be like a, someone you can sprinkle in. And, and so I'd almost rather take like the, the shares I would allocate to Mike Davis and maybe just spread them on a couple of these. Admittedly, they're more boomer bust plays probably than Mike Davis, but like, I think their upside is, is actually better this week because again, with the quarterback issues with Davis, maybe not being hundred percent or just having that, just that little, um, you know, like percentage chance of injury um, heightened. Then uh, I think that's probably what I'm looking at. So I guess that's my way of saying, I don't really love it, but I do recognize that like he still could end up being like the play this week um, at, at that price. So here's somebody I'm kind of interested by, but I, I don't, quite know what to make of him that's uh salvin ahmed from from the dolphins right. and it's it's really just because of what his workload was last week he's still cheap nobody's rostering him but still look at what he did last week i mean he he uh, he got one target in the passing game, but 21 rush attempts for a guy who's 4800 decent matchup against the broncos and nobody's rostering him given his workload last week how repeatable do you think that is do you think we're going to see him be a workhorse again for the dolphins or is this just going to be a thing where it's it's like a Seahawks backfield situation. It's like, nah, it's somebody else this week. Yeah, the Broncos have been getting tuned on the ground too. So yeah. I, I was really interested in this spot too when I saw that. Like Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker ran for like 300 yards last week. Oh, that was 200. But um, so Matt Breed is back this week. And and that that is almost enough to just make me say, I just can't, I just can't do this because I, I have no idea what's going to happen there. You know, the Dolphins have been – so coy about what they're doing at running back since the start, since giving Miles get Miles Gaskins the carry, giving Jordan Howard goal line work. Maybe Howard will be active this week too. That's another thing that could just throw a huge. No, they they, they cut him. Oh, did they cut him? Okay, well that okay, never mind then. That's good. Again, there's so much going on this week, but that's they, good they, they to know. On, I mean, they put him on the uh, practice squad. They, they I mean that, that makes sense. Him. They didn't start him last week, right? Yeah. When they could have. So um, that's good that Jordan Howard is at least out of there. But at the same time, Matt Breda is a guy that they're probably going to mix in. So. I, I, I mean, if I'm going to roster one of these two, it's going to be a med because I think that, you know, him, them giving him the workload last week, like I said, they could have brought Howard in and stuff like that. And realistically, they haven't committed to breed in any way, shape or form when they could have as well. So I think a med is the player. It's still a pretty scary spot. Um, but I, I agree. Like this is an intriguing matchup, an intriguing situation. Miami are, are, are favorites. Um, Denver is, is basically just headed down the toilet, so to speak. Um, I'm not sure. Again, another situation I'm not sure on. Drew Locke's still questionable. Um, looks like he might play, but like if he doesn't, I mean, you know, Miami could just be running the ball all second half. So even if Locke does play, they could be running the ball all second half. Ahmed is in play, um, but he's he's definitely uh, fairly risky. And I guess the, the other thing I'd say, like there's some pretty good main, like guys in the 5K range who we know are going to get main carries that if I can get up there, I'd much rather get up there this week. So here's my real favorite contrarian play of the week, though. And I don't get I don't get why this guy's picking up more ownership on DraftKings. J.D. McKissick, who, as yeah. bad as he is running the football, captain check down Alex Smith does nothing but throw this guy short passes. Last two weeks, J.D. McKissick, uh, in week nine against the Giants, 14 targets. Then in week 10 against the Lions, 15 targets. Now, look at the matchup this week. Pretty decent one against the Cincinnati Bengals. You, I mean, a, a guy who's only 5,200 on DraftKings, not quite as favorable on FanDuel because it's only the, the half-point PPR bonus. And this is a guy who's going to get almost all of his fantasy points on, on two-yard pass plays. But yeah, look at look at this kind of work in the passing game. And I don't understand why nobody wants to roster this guy against the, against the Bengals. That's such a ridiculous amount of targets. And he's been so unsuccessful, and they keep going to him. I don't see any reason it's going to stop. So can you talk me off yeah. J.D. McKissick? Or, or is there any reason to think they're not just going to keep throwing him the ball a million times? <laughs> I, did, I, I looked at that, too, and I'm like, what, am I missing something? Like, does his points not – Does it, do his PPR <laughs> points not count as much? Like, why isn't this guy the Uber chalk? He's he's the 29 targets over his last two weeks. He's 5,200 and people are still playing Duke Johnson um, or projecting to play Duke Johnson over him. It's really weird. I agree. Um, I think people just don't know really what to do in this spot. I also think that people are really high on Terry McLaren this week and the passing game because since he's passing uh, defense is so bad and has been so bad, especially last week. So I think people are more just on that spot and they're like, well, I can't play more than two Redskins or, or I can't play more than one Redskin. 
sorry, Washington football team guy. Um, yeah, what, do you, what, do you, what, what do you even call them? What are their players? They're just, I can't play, I can't play more, one more of their teamers. Teamers. I yeah. usually just try and say Washington, the Washington players and sound like a complete, you know, doorknob. But anyways, yeah, I agree. Like this price is, is ridiculous, right? Um, the Washington. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, this price is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, at the very least, like you're, you're heading into a, a, like a, a player with 5200 with a floor of like 14 points or something, right? Realistically. So unless something happens, um, you know, then the game flow just goes completely insane where... Maybe they're just giving Gibson like 20 touches, but um, even in that situation, McKissick is probably going to be involved. So yeah, I agree. Look, I, I'm not going to try and talk you off it. I will say this, like I, I said, I, I do like uh, Bailage up there at 5,600. I think it's a great spot. He played over 70% of the snaps. I was one of those players in this range I was alluding to. Um, Gio Bernard is also interesting on the other side of this game. Uh, you know, Washington doesn't have a great run defense and, uh, Bernard is, is really matchup proof. So, um, you know, Gio could end up being the play here, but, um, yeah, man, like I, I got nothing bad to say about this. Like I said, I was, my reaction was the same as yours. Um, I'm just not sure if I'm going to necessarily play him because I do want to play McLaren as well. And I, I am kind of, I'm, I am one of those people who don't want to play two Washingtonians uh, in the <laughs> same lineup. So I'm like, I got McLaren in there. You know, I got to find some space for, for McKessick. Yeah, I'm going to end up talking myself into making double stacks with Alex Smith, with Terry yeah. McLaurin and J.D. McKissick. And it's not even so much that I think that the upside is massive for Alex Smith, but it's just hard to find quarterbacks to stack guys with this week. And I think that that's where almost all of this target share on Washington is going to. It's going to J.D. McKissick. It's going to Terry McLaurin. And that's kind of it. Each of them are getting targeted like 30 times or something like that per game. It's, it's ridiculous. So, so we know where all that production is coming from. So if Alex Smith does have a ceiling game where he plays really well, we know who all the guys are that are getting targets. It's going to yeah. mean that McKissick and McLaurin have, have big games. So as we talk about this more, I think I'm talking myself more and more into stacking Washington a little bit. Um, any other low-owned running backs you want to talk about? There's really just Dalvin Cook chalk and then nobody else is over 20%. So it's yeah. not like we've seen most weeks. No, absolutely. It is kind of interesting. Uh, it feels like almost anyone who's not Dalvin Cook uh, is going to be like at pretty good ownership, which is which is interesting. And, and it, uh, it'll make for some, you know, even with a really chalky uh, high on player, like it's going to be an interesting how you make combos. So uh, I guess, you know, like Adrian Peterson or, or uh, Kerryon Johnson is, is kind of in play. Um, I'm always going to kind of go to Kerryon Johnson in that spot because I think he's, he's more likely to get involved as a receiver. And I think he's got a little bit more big playability at this point in his career. Um, but I think both those guys are in play. Carolina's a bad – there's a reason we all wanted to play DeAndre Swift before. Uh, Carolina's a horrible run defense. And, look, Karrion Johnson was a guy people liked and trusted. Like, Karrion Johnson was very high up in, in a lot of people's minds a couple of years ago. So, um, I, th- I could see him being a play. Um, I'll throw out the Michael Pirine, who apparently Adam Gase is going to give uh, a lot of carries to here. Uh, I don't really believe it. But at 4,400, he's a little bit interesting. Um, you know, we, we talked about Ahmed – it's probably pretty close between him and Ahmed, but, um, you know, with, um, with Miami just being a better team and, and just being more trustworthy and with the news that we don't have to worry about like a third running back with Howard, I think Ahmed probably a little bit higher upside. So let's transition over to the wide receivers. But first, today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features. For those looking to play multiple lineups, make better choices, choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. And also, do us a favor, 
give us a thumbs up and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Because I was told before the show that I am not invited to my family's Thanksgiving dinner if I do not get a certain number of likes on this video. I'm not going to give out what the number is because I want it to be something realistic. And I may or may not have made that up. But still, like the video or else I don't get to eat turkey this year. So that would be, that would be a great help. Wide receivers. Devontae Adams coming in pretty popular. Uh, I, I get it. He's been ridiculous uh, in terms of fantasy production lately. And it's also just the red zone work he gets. I mean, touchdowns over the last four games, one, one, three, two. The Packers get the ball to the one yard line and they're not running the ball up the middle with Aaron Jones. They're running a play action. They're running some kind of action to, to get the ball to Devontae Adams along the sideline. So I think that Adams definitely makes sense to got to pay up for this slate. Uh, also, like we mentioned before, I think that Aaron Rodgers is a decent contrarian play quarterback. So Adams, I think, is a good guy to pay up for. Do you feel any differently, or are you concerned about the ankle injury he's dealing with? Uh, I mean, definitely a little concerned. It's a little bit heightened risk of a bust. But, um, you know, again, you're getting – and the thing is with Devontae Adams, okay, his ownership's still at 20%, 21%. We got him projected for. But but Aaron Rodgers' ownership is is really low, right? So, like, you're going to bring your, your, your sort of total ownership. And, again, that's kind of how you should be looking for things in GPPs, your total ownership um, of, of – of how your plays are, are adding up uh, when you're, when you're just projecting like how chalky your lineup's going to be. And um, I, I think that with, with Aaron Rodgers being lower owned, I think that's a really good thing for Devonte Adams. So I'm in on that. Um, that being said, you know, it's, it, it's a bit of a heightened risk bus spot. Like we said, I, I think for, for, um, for wide receiver, like he's not, he's not a must play like Dalvin cook is for me, but at the same time, like, I want exposure to him on the slate. I mean, absolutely. If you're making like multiple lineups, if you're making more than, than like three lineups. Like I, I want exposure to him. I, I want to be probably at the field. Like it, it's, it's one of those situations. And again, taking advantage of, because every time I'm playing Devontae, I'm, well, maybe not every time, but I'm going to try and get, you know, uh, more, more Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams stacks than the field will have. I, I just, I just a little bit. And I think that's easy to achieve because Aaron Rodgers won't be highly owned. So um, I think the interesting receivers on this slate are, uh, we talked about Myers, uh, we, and, but then Allen and Jefferson, because Keenan Allen and Justin Jefferson both have running backs who are in really good spots too, and they're both projected for ownership. And Justin Jefferson's ownership projection has come up. He's the fourth chalkiest on the slate. I love him. I love the spot. But are Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson going to have massive games? They could because it's the Cowboys, but, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit uh, – it, it, you know, one of them could easily bust. So, uh, and it's probably not going to be Cook. <laughs> would, would you be willing to make an onslaught stack where you go with Cousins, Cook, yeah. and Jefferson and or Thielen? I think that's probably a decent idea for sure. Uh, and again, we're, we're talking like, you know, maybe um, if, if you like them both, uh, you know, you could definitely do that even in like a three max. Like if you're making just like uh, a three max lineup or something like that, using one of them on that approach isn't a bad idea. But um, yeah, that's definitely some kind of mix I, I would consider because the, and the thing about Jefferson is he doesn't necessarily need 12 targets to go off. Right. So you know, he's a guy who's got such good yards after the catch, uh, been playing so well against single coverage and, you know, he's yards per reception. I think he's up to like fourth in the league or something. He's just making big plays. So he could get like six targets and like two of them could go for 40 yards and one of them a touchdown and, all of a sudden it's 6k because he's not expensive. That's the other thing about Justin Jefferson. I think that's why he's, he's really coming up. He's now uh, more chalky than Terry McLaren. I think uh, that's um, definitely a scenario. So I do like him. Uh, it's just, you know, realistically, we're talking about two Vikings players uh, projected at high ownership. So it's always gives you a little pause. Yeah. So I like Justin Jefferson. I think I do like the idea of the onslaught stacks for the Vikings. The one thing I'll say about Jefferson, I wouldn't play him in cash games if you look, if you look right. at his production over the last few weeks, so he had the he had the game against the Falcons where he just absolutely destroyed. Went for 166 yards, a pair of touchdowns, scored 43 fantasy points. Then he follows it up with five fantasy points against the Packers, nine against the Lions, then another big game against the Bears. He's all over the place. He's been in some good matchups that he's not done well in, and then he's been in some harder matchups where he's done really well. And so I find him somebody who, which I think it makes sense. Also, I mean, a, a rookie, a, a, a rookie wide receiver picked in the first round. There's a lot of variance to that position even though Justin Jefferson's probably probably already one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, there's still a good amount of variance there. So I'm not quite ready to put him in cash game lineups, but GPPs, I definitely think that that makes sense. Um, Jacoby Myers, we talked, we talked about a lot of these wide receivers now, because there's only so many of them to, to stack with, with quarterbacks. There's like six viable passing quarterbacks on the slate and all the rest of them are going to be running the ball. Uh, one, <laughs> 
One other guy that I do want to talk about, and this, this ties into those running quarterbacks. What are you doing with the Saints wide receiver? So Michael yeah. Thomas, I was all ready to fire up Michael Thomas when I thought Jameis Winston was going to be the quarterback. Because if you looked at the second half of that game, even though Michael Thomas didn't do a ton, James Winston was looking at him a lot. He got a couple of targets in the red zone. I think Winston threw 10 passes. Five of them went to Michael Thomas. Now we've got Taysom Hill as the quarterback. We don't really know what to expect from him as a, as a pass thrower. Is Michael Thomas viable with, uh, with Taysom Hill as quarterback or no? Yeah. So here, I got two things to say. First of all, guys, hit that like button. Let's get over 100 uh, before we do anything else. Smash it if you could. Really appreciate it. Helps the show out. But here's the question, wide receivers. Would you rather play Julio Jones or Michael Thomas with Taysom Hill this week? Because I think I'd rather play Julio Jones. Oh, without a doubt. And Julio Jones also has less ownership. Yeah. I, I love Julio as a player this week. Absolutely love him. Um, 10% ownership. I get it. Lattimore. But that's just scaring people off. Julio Jones has, has burned the Saints before. He's burned pretty much every cornerback at some point in his career, right? So I, I love the spot for Julio coming off a bye, too. But the question is, it remains, do you want Michael Thomas in there as well? I don't have an answer for you folks. I don't. <laughs> like, I think, I think right now the answer is no. I think you play Taysom Hill on, on his own. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, Greg alluded to this, like they're, they're going to, they, they obviously have some kind of plan. Like it's, it's, it's some kind of wildcat. Okay, look, Taysom Hill's his strength is his legs. Um, if, if we're projecting him for like 200 yards as like a good passing game, can't be good for Michael Thomas, even if he gets like 12 targets. So I think it's 7,300, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Maybe his ownership will dip to like, again, and this is a, another reason why it's just so, so valuable to have access to these ownership projections. Maybe his ownership dips to like 3% or something like that before lock his ownership projections. At that point, I'd be interested. But like, if he's going to stay in the top 10 projected owns, I'm probably going to say no. And uh, I do definitely like coming back with Julio Jones more on the other side with Taysom Hill. I think it gives you access to the two best pieces in that game. And you don't have to pay up at, for two wide receivers now. So I, I, that's how I like attacking this game. So one more wide receiver situation that I think we need to talk about here. Nobody on the Steelers really seems to pick up all that much ownership at wide receiver. I think we've just gotten to a point where people are like, I don't know who to roster between Deontay Johnson yeah. and Chase Claypool. And I think that most people, nobody really rosters Juju at this point. Uh, he's kind of priced in the same range as those guys. And yeah. he's just and he not should. nearly as productive. Um, yeah. I think that both Claypool and Deontay Johnson are viable this week. I lean a little bit towards Johnson. Uh, if you look at his targets over the last few games, 15, he had the game against the Ravens. We're only at three, but then the last two weeks, 10 against Dallas, 11 against Cincinnati. Claypool does tend to get a little bit more looks in the red zone, but still I, I look at the overall volume that Deontay Johnson's getting. And I think that he makes for a really solid wide receiver play. He's the guy I want to roster the most. I also don't mind making double stacks of Roethlisberger with Deontay Johnson and Claypool, uh, but Johnson is the priority for me in the Steelers passing game. How about for you? Yeah, I think, I think that's kind of where I'm leaning, but again, it, it is kind of a situation where, um, you know, Deontay Johnson at 12.4% uh, projected again, Claypool uh, about 5% less. It's easier to go overweight on Claypool, but I wouldn't mind being overweight on both these guys if you're making like a bunch of lineups. Uh, I, I really think that there's there's a potential that one of these guys breaks the slate. It's it's, I mean, it's very similar to the situation we saw last week. And quite frankly, people are probably lucky that one of those guys didn't go for 40 points and like all the touchdowns didn't go to Claypool again or something, or they didn't all go to Deontay Johnson. Could easily happen. So um, it could have a, a situation again. I think it's going to be a similar similar type game for Pitt. Um, but I agree, like Deontay Johnson getting more consistent targets. He's more efficient, too, with his targets. Like Claypool, he's still raw, right? Like he's he's kind of, uh, you know, you see it, he looks great, and then it's like, well, what was he doing on that passing route or something, right? So uh, a little bit more efficiency with Deontay Johnson. I think he's become more of the go-to guy for Ben if it does kind of get down to crunch time. So you're just going to see, you're just guaranteed more targets. Um, so I, that, I'm viewing the same. It's a lot of potential, but definitely still prefer a little bit Deontay Johnson. I'm going to throw out a name for you here. Okay. I'm, I'm probably going to play this guy because again, everyone's rostering Dalvin cook. So we like that game. So who do you come back with on the other side? Mari Cooper's 5,400. Now with the two games that Dalton has started, he's got seven passes in both those games. Now he's at a home game in a dome against a Viking secondary that, you know, they're not good. Like they don't have good corners. 
This is a very winnable matchup for Amari Cooper. I know. I know it's the Cowboys. I know it's Dalton. And look, we could have a similar situation to last week where the Vikings just blitz every play and Dalton is like out by halftime again. But I think there's a lot of potential here for Amari Cooper, mainly because of the price of 5,400. So I'll say this also. Uh, the, the game where he got hurt, notwithstanding, the game against the Cardinals where the Cowboys also looked terrible, Dalton threw the ball 54, 54 times. 54 times, I know. 54 times. So, I mean, you look at that and – I agree. You first said Amari Cooper and I was kind of like, I don't know, but then I just pulled up Dalton really quick. I was like, Hey, threw the ball 54 times. The Cowboys are probably going to be trailing. They're going to be a situation where they're going to everyone likes Dalvin cook so much. Someone's going to come back and have like uh, the 12, 14 targets or something right on the other side. You figure. So no, I could, I could get behind that. Um, I guess the, the other question would be, you know, CD lamb at 5,000, maybe he's viable also, although to that point, not quite as much action as yeah. as Cooper got in, in yeah. other games that Dalton started. But yeah, I think I think that Lamb and Cooper, if you wanted to go really off the board with a guy who's a crazy but maybe not so crazy GPP play, yeah, some of those Cowboys receivers I could I could get behind that. It wasn't something I'd considered until you just said it, but yeah, that, that kind of clicks that makes sense. 21% to market share for Amari Cooper on all the Andy Dalton pass attempts this year so far so that's pretty good that's that's right up there with almost not quite elite like the the top top guys but that's right up there that's up there with guys like Deontay Johnson um yeah guys like that so he's getting a good market share with Dalton no I could dig it and the other thing too is as bad as Dalton looked in his first game I don't really think he's that bad like I don't think he's good by any means but I don't think I don't think he's as bad as some of these other, you know, bottom feeding quarterbacks we have in the league that we've seen that we've seen pop in. So yeah, I think that Dalton and the Cowboys are probably a little more viable than people would think, given how terrible they've been lately. The other thing also is just think about all these terrible quarterbacks. The Cowboys have had rotating in and out recently. Yeah, Dalton's okay. He's not, he's not that bad. And if he's going to throw the ball 54 times, I, I do think that's kind of a sneaky spot to, to target there. Uh, yeah. And like, let's not forget Minnesota secondary is bad. I mean, they just, they yeah. were, they were one inch away from like a Nick Foles of underthrown that ball by one inch. They lose that game to the bears. So if they can just give Dalton protection, I, I really do think that you can see one of those uh, Cowboys receivers that big game. So. Yeah, no, I, I dig it. I'm, I'm actually happy you pointed that out. Cause I'm, I'm going to get some exposure there now. Uh, one other thing to mention here, here guys, we have a special running right now for new members at osmo.com head over and you get an nfl express weekly pass for only one dollar when you use the promo code mayflower at checkout this pass includes access to all tools and content for showdown and single game slates including player projections ownership projections the top plays tool sign up now and get access to four major showdown slates on thanksgiving day and this offer is valid through november 26 so mayflower obviously that is a Thanksgiving reference and even good for the people who live up in Canada, like Jeff, who, who are not going to be celebrating the American Thanksgiving because they had their Thanksgiving, uh, you know, like six weeks ago where you guys celebrate. What, what is your, whatever it is the year Thanksgiving celebrates. I don't know. I don't know the story of Canadian Thanksgiving. Oh, God, I looked this up this year. What do we, <laughs> is it? I can't remember. It's, it's something, it's something with like the harvest or something. I can't, I, I, I actually looked it up. I can't. It's something that wasn't I did, not important to me because it didn't stick in my brain. <laughs> something they, they don't harvesting fields and stuff, I think. But uh, they, don't, they don't teach it very much in the no, Canadian public school system. It's like, hey, look, America's got it, so we got to have it too, you know? <laughs> All right, let's move over and talk about the tight ends. Uh, very easy position to fill on FanDuel because this is a position that once again sucks this week. And so FanDuel, it's easy enough to just throw Taysom Hill in. I mean, even if you get a bad quarterback game from him, I mean, he scores eight fantasy points, whatever. He's still going to be one of the top tight end values. So DraftKings, though, this is where it gets a little more interesting. Is there anybody you actually like? Because I think this is another slate where I'm just going to kind of spray and pray. You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to have a bunch of guys who I have like 8 to 12% exposure to. And just fingers crossed that I'm overweight to one of them who who ends up catching two passes for eight yards and two touchdowns. Spray and pray, that is something I'll be using uh a, a line i'll be using a lot from now on i love that um yeah another washington player in play logan thomas 3300 um again like one of these guys are gonna bust right i mean out of uh, like mckissick thomas um mclaren so but uh thomas is the cheapest right 3300 so i do kind of like that play a little bit um i have to admit I, I, again, I don't love, like, I'd much rather play McLaren because I think he's got the massive upside. But 
Thomas at 3,300 is really interesting, mainly because this tight end slate is so bad. I'm, I'm actually really interested in Hayden Hurst, too. I know I mentioned Julio Jones, but, um, you know, the Saints are like a bottom eight team against uh, defending against the tight ends. Hurst has 7.33 targets over his last three games. Ridley's banged up. I think he's questionable. I don't think there's been a, a, a huge um, like I, a decision I think, on him yet. I think they said he's playing this morning. He's playing. Okay, so maybe that hurts him a little bit. But, again, he's not 100%. And, like, realistically, Hurst has still been getting targets with Ridley in the lineup. So not, not like a huge concern there. But I still think Hayden Hurst on this slate – Again, we're talking about one of the games with the highest projected point totals. Like, I still like that game to shoot out, even with Pace Mill at quarterback. So, um, I think Hayden Hurst is interesting. Dallas Goddard. Uh, <laughs> bad weather again <laughs> in Cleveland. And then Goddard is just, even with Ertz out, he's not doing anything. So well, He gets he gets hurt every time he steps on the field. Anybody anybody yeah. hits Dallas Goddard. Like, last week, it was like, oh, I wonder if this will be the Goddard week now that he's no. now that he's out there. Literally, the first catch he gets, he gets hit. He comes off the field with an injury. Ended up coming back in, and he was okay for the game. I mean, relative to the other uh, tight ends we, we usually have to choose from. I mean, six targets against the Giants, caught four of them for 33 yards. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's very scary to have a guy who's like the Anthony Davis of – type mold of the nfl where it's like every single time the guy's on the field he, he's walking off and he's going into the blue tent so that is a concern there are very few players where i knock them because of their chance to get injured in game literally whoever you put at tight end for the eagles gets hurt every single game yeah like richard rogers is maybe is the play right um he's like the only guy who seems to be like prone to that or not prone to that curse so um, look, I think Goddard is okay, but you do have weather concerns. Uh, he's also getting up there in ownership now. He's the second projected uh, highest owned play. So I don't really like that. I I'm kind of interested in Jordan Akins at the bare min. Um, he's back from injury. He's the better pass catching tight end. He has seen uh, a few more red zone targets than Darren Fells over the last couple of weeks. I don't love it because Fells is there. Um, obviously, he's still got two wide receivers who are, are heavily involved now. But I, I think at the min price, that's that's who I would be looking to. Uh, but realistically, Hurst, Thomas, probably my my two guys who all all spray and pray with uh, the most. Maybe sprinkle a little bit of Goddard in there, but I don't know, man. Like I might just I might just take the my my min price approach and just be like, you know what, he's twenty five hundred. I might just get use Jordan Akins. Uh, that, that, that's, those are the, the four guys I'm mainly interested in. I don't know if you have anyone else to bring up because I really don't. <laughs> uh, I, I think Mark Andrews is okay just because 4,900 is much cheaper than we typically see right. from him. Uh, nine targets last week, that's a season high. So that's pretty encouraging that he is coming off a nine target Lamar game. Too. Like that's a really easy stack with Lamar. Uh, so I think that he's okay. Uh, if Noah Font plays, just because he's questionable, I think that's going to suppress his ownership. It's an okay matchup against the Dolphins. They have a good defense, except haven't been particularly good against tight ends. And if, if we look at Font, I mean, especially because Albert O's been hurt. I mean, look at the target share for for Font the last few games: seven, nine, uh, game with three, which isn't great, but then a, a game seven last week. So if he plays. I think that he's a guy we could at least count on for volume. And that's, that's one of the other things that's also really hard about the tight end position this week is I look at some of these cheaper, which basically everybody's cheap. There's, there's nobody who's remotely expensive on the slate. I think who's, who's overall the most expensive. It's yeah. It's Mark Andrews at 4,900. There's not a single tight end on the slate. That's over 5,000 on DraftKings, And it's just tough to even figure out who's going to get targets. There's a lot of these guys that are going to end up getting two, three targets. Someone might not get targeted at all. So it's nice to see the fonts at least getting relatively regular targets. It's it's a tough position. Uh, here's the good thing though, I wouldn't sweat it too much because almost all of these guys are going to be bad. So you could you could sit there and really rack your brain and be like, I don't know which room I want to roster. And at the end of the day, it's probably not going to matter because almost none of them are going to score fantasy points. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like I'm just Jordan Akins is the cheapest that I like, so I'll just go there. Um, I think Andrews and, and Lamar Jackson stack is actually pretty interesting in the spot, um, but yeah, I. You know, I think he's, and I think he legitimately does probably have the best upside. I think Hurst has, has fairly good upside too. Um, but you know, the other guys, I, just, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I just don't really see where the big game's coming from at this point. Like I, I think you're right with that. That maybe other than like a, a an Andrews or a Hurst breakout game, you're really not feeding much here. Like it, not much is going to happen. So maybe just go with the cheap guys and like Thomas and Akins. Yeah, and there isn't even chalk at the position, so it, no, exactly. it, it's, it's not it's not like there's a guy who's going to kill you because spin the tight end wheel of fortune. Yep. That, that's what I was saying. It's it's a spray and pray week. I'm just going to have a bunch of guys I mix in, just be like, who knows? I, I don't think this is the I don't think this is the position that's going to 
that's going to make or break your slate. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a defense take this week, by the oh, way. Very, right. very, very rare that I look at the defenses and, and really have a, a take mm-hmm. I like. But on FanDuel, so we've said the ownership on Taysom Hill is going to be ridiculously high. Right. You know what that means? Nobody's going to rush for the Falcons defense who is nearly min-priced on FanDuel. And we don't know what we're getting from Taysom Hill. What if they actually ask him to throw the ball and he just can't really do it well? What if he's really inaccurate and turns the ball over a couple of times? The fact that you could get the Falcons for nearly min price at no ownership, to me, that's one of the stronger defense leverage plays we've ever seen. And I, I even think you could go with Taysom Hill at, at tight end or whatever, whatever you want to call it for FanDuel. You, you put him in a tight end, and you could still roster the Falcons defense because there is a very realistic scenario where he scores like five fantasy points, sucks, is still okay at tight end, and the Falcons defense scores a bunch of fantasy points. So I think the Falcons defense on FanDuel is one of my favorite defense plays that I've had all season. I think it's a really good play too. Um, it, again, this this week is so weird now because I want to play like, and on DK, they're 2,300, right? So they're getting yeah. up there a little bit of ownership, but like, um, like you said, there probably are a better play on, on FanDuel, right? Because you're getting so much uh, leverage because everyone's ha- going to have to taste the lineup, right? So, um and on FanDuel, so you, you, again, you're just playing Taysom Hill with the Falcons defense, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, makes that's, sense. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Um, I, but, and then on, on DraftKings, I mean, 2,300, like they're, they're super cheap. My, my problem is like, I, like I said, I like Julio Jones in this game too. And I kind of like Taysom Hill. So like, do I play them with those two guys? I don't know. Like that just seems too. Yeah. I, I would, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. Yeah. That seems like a little <laughs> bit of a bridge too far. Right. So maybe it works out, but um, I guess maybe in that scenario, maybe you could think about playing Taysom Hill and the Falcons defense and leaving Julio out or something and maybe playing Michael Thomas instead. That actually might be a stack that could work out uh, because you're just getting a bunch of garbage time or like, you know, you're saying the Falcons are getting pick six and there's not much field time for Julio. But um, no, I, I still like the play. And especially if you're like you're making non non Falcon Saints lineups. Absolutely love the Falcons as a defense. I do like them to cover this week, too. I like them before the news came out that he was starting. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I see the, I see the point there and, uh, for cheap defenses, that's definitely where I look. Um, no one else really like popping off. I think, you know, you have to watch the quarterback news with Detroit and Carolina. I think the lions could be semi-interesting. Don't love them as a defense, but again, um, you know, we're talking about backup QBs, anything could happen there. So I think, uh, you know, under 2,800, you know, um, the Panthers and the lions both kind of interesting this week. Yeah, I think the Dolphins definitely viable. Also, Drew Locke has largely been terrible this season. The Dolphins yep. have a oh, yeah. pretty good defense. I don't really think it's that underrated as it was earlier in the year. I think people are pretty hip to the fact that the Dolphins have a good defense at this point. But still, they're cheap, and it's not like they're uber shock or anything like that. Not that anybody no. is a defense. I actually Everybody's- thought they'd be shockier. Like, I'm actually surprised at these at these projections. We only have them as the fifth most popular um, defense right now, which, uh, yeah, to me is surprising. Like, I like getting up to the Dolphins a lot, too. Yeah, so I think that's a good one. Um, yeah, and then like I said, this is really the one. And here's the other thing with defense too. There's never a spot where I'm looking at defense and just be like, this is the lock of all locks for defenses. No, yeah. uh, but I just I just like some of the leverage there, particularly on FanDuel with the Falcons defense. Nobody's going to want to roster them. Everybody's rostering Taysom Hill. And it's plenty viable, I think, to play both of them in the same lineup. So let's close it out today, Jeff. What is your favorite stack of the week? Yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll stick with my Taysom call. I think I think it's going to work out okay just for points. And I think stacking him, like I said, I like stacking with Julio on the other side. Um, I think uh, and and maybe even maybe even using two Atlanta players like like Hayden Hurst. I was I will say this. I was really big on Matt Ryan. We didn't really talk about him before the Taysom Hill news. Like I would have preferred to play Matt Ryan over Jameis, but. With, with Taysom being so cheap, I think that it, it's just hard for me to get off if I'm stacking that game to, to use him. So um, that's probably where, um, I, you know, I'll be looking for kind of main stacks like Taysom and then using uh, one of those, one or two of those Atlanta players on the other side. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams because Adams is pretty popular this week. So maybe that's not really a crazy play to most people. Certainly not. But nobody's rostering Aaron Rodgers. It's the game with the highest total on the slate. And if you think that Devontae Adams is going to have a big game, stands to reason Aaron Rodgers is probably going to play pretty decent also. There are a bunch of running back plays that I like this week that are pretty cheap that we mentioned, kind of that you know low 5K range. So there's a bunch of guys we get there that's going to give us enough extra salary to be able to pay up at quarterback and wide receiver. So I think that, that the Rodgers play is going a little bit overlooked. So give me them as a combination. That's going to wrap up the show for this week. Guys, before you go, hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the Oslo Podcast Network. 
And with that in mind, I hope you guys all have a great day. Oh, also, one more thing. Later on today, we have On the Contrary coming up and the MMA Live Before Lock show for UFC 255. So, Jordan, play the music. Have a good weekend.